Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. John's Gospel gives to us the wonder of Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 of chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John identifies that one who was made flesh as the light of the world. That's what we just sang about. As much as a bah humbugger as I claim to be, I look forward to Christmas. As you study the scriptures, 5,000 years before the birth of Christ, the Messiah was promised. Genesis chapter 3, that it would be the seed of the woman that would come forth and be the redeemer for mankind. And throughout the Old Testament, there are some 20 specific prophecies that point toward the wonder of Christmas. I look forward to Christmas. Now, Christmas for me starts Thanksgiving Day. I pull the decorations down out of the attic, and Connie begins to decorate our house. And I enjoy that. Ohio State beats Michigan. (laughs) Part of my Christmas celebration. The carols. Hold on. The carols, the candies, the cakes, all that go along with the wonder of Christmas as we celebrate the the birth of, of Christ. Now, as we look into the gospel narrative, we find a timeline for the wonder of Christmas. Each of the gospels presents Christ in a different way. Matthew presents Christ as the king of the Jews. And so it should not surprise us that the wise men, when they came, asked Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews, for we have come to worship him. Mark tells us about the suffering servant. And Mark tells us that Jesus Christ didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Luke reminds us that Jesus was the perfect Man. And John's gospel tells us about the wonder of God with us. We have all of the I am's in John's gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. The wonder. Now, when you read the Christmas narrative, you can't just read it out of one gospel. And you will discover it in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. Matthew tells us about the king. And the genealogy of Joseph is in Matthew's gospel, where it takes us back to King David and shares with us how this Christ child was in the lineage of David and had every right to be the king. Luke's gospel gives to us the genealogy of Mary. 
and takes us back to Adam because this one who came was the perfect man as Adam was created in the image of God. And so I thought as we began our Christmas celebration that it would be good for us to just be reminded of a timeline so that we can recognize the wonder of Christmas. Now, as we do that, I will remind you that God has been silent for 400 years. Between Malachi and Matthew, we have a 400-year time frame when God doesn't speak. There is nothing recorded between the Testaments. And so in some ways, the people may well have been wondering, is God ever going to speak? And we begin the Gospels with God speaking through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of the narrative. We want to begin in Luke chapter 1, where the angel visits Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says to the angel, how can this be? I've never known a man. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And that which is born in you is of the Holy Spirit of God. I often wonder how Mary processed all of that. But her response is, I'm your handmaiden. Whatever you want to accomplish through my life, accomplish it even though I don't understand it. And may I stop right there and say that ought to be our attitude too? God, we're your people. Whatever you want to accomplish through our lives, even though I may not understand it, it's okay. God, you work your perfect work. Now we need to jump back to Matthew's gospel when the angel appeared to Joseph and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He was going to put her away privately because he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to stone her, and that was his right under the law. And the angel said to Joseph, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mary visits Elizabeth. We find that in Luke's Gospel. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, and when she sees Mary coming, the baby leaps in her womb, identifying the wonder of the one that Mary was carrying. And then Luke tells us about that trip to to Bethlehem, that decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered And that 70-mile trip that Joseph and Mary made as they went to their hometown, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now Matthew and Luke tell us about the birth of Christ. The wonder of the Word becoming flesh. And we needn't miss That wonder, because it is indeed the king and it is indeed the perfect man blended together under God's authority. The angels declare to the shepherds 
Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Can you imagine that concert on that Judean hillside? And then the shepherds go and visit. And they come recognizing the wonder of the one who has been born. Now in our text... Luke chapter 2, we discover in verse 21 that at the end of eight days, according to the law, Jesus is named and circumcised. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him being born under the law, but I want you to understand that Joseph and Mary were still living under the economy of the Old Testament and wanted to very strictly follow the law and everything that they did. This was important. And so Joseph and Mary, at eight days, identify what God had told them according to the law. And then in verse 22, we find 40 days later, they go to the the temple for Mary's purification process, and we're going to talk about that this morning For Jesus is presented in the temple because the law required that. We go back to Matthew's gospel and we discover that some two years later, and I have less than two years here, the wise men show up. Now the Bible does not give to us a calendar chronology, but the Bible does tell us that Herod, when he had discovered that the wise men had tricked him, killed all of the infants two years of age and under. So we put that together and recognized that it was some two years, close to two years after Jesus was born, that the, the wise men show up in Jerusalem, wondering where the king of the Jews could be, be found. Herod kills the boys two years and under and Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt and they flee to Egypt because the scripture said that out of Egypt God would call his son they then return to Nazareth because Jesus would be called a Nazarene. So here we have the chronology of the birth of, of Christ. And we blend the Gospels together recognizing that this was all God's plan. God had it all figured out. Recognizing that he would send forth his only begotten son. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to fast forward past that first Christmas day. And we are going to see that Simeon and Anna looked forward to Christmas. Even though it was an event that had taken place some 40 days earlier. But this morning, I think it's important for us to recognize that Joseph and and Mary 
were willing to submit themselves to God's plan, not only in bringing forth this child that had been conceived of the Holy Spirit, but were willing to submit to God's plan to fulfill all that was in the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And sometimes we, we miss these details. But it's important for us to understand that the details that God describes for us are important in our lives. Are you still in Luke chapter 2? Let me begin with verse 22, and I'm going to read down through verse 24. Now, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and or two young pigeons. Now I want you to first of all note that this is according to the law. Five times in Luke chapter 2, Luke identifies the law. Verse 22, the law of Moses. Verse 23, the law of the Lord. Verse 24, the law of the Lord. Verse 27, custom of the law. And down in verse 39, again, the law of the law. It was important to fulfill the law. I, I remind you that grace is now going to come. That one who was made flesh was full of grace and full of truth. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And he was going to come. But until that time, it was all about the law. And Mary and Joseph were living in that economy. And at the time, the scripture says, of her purification, they make an eight-mile journey northwest to Jerusalem, to the temple, to fulfill the requirements of the law. And the requirement was that they set aside this baby Jesus as the firstborn, wholly dedicated to the Lord. When our first child was born, we were so naive about having children. We had no clue. It was our first experience. And during Connie's pregnancy, she had some challenges. And we as just a, a young couple, and we were young back then, didn't know whether we were going to be able to go through with the birthing process or if something else was going to take place. And it was that serious to us. I remember sitting in the parking lot of Dr. 
Peak in Quincy, Illinois. As Connie went in for an examination, holding hands and barely able to hold our emotion, saying, God, and that was before we knew whether it was going to be a girl or a boy, but it wouldn't have mattered, and it didn't. This child is yours. And if you choose to bring it to term, we'll praise your name. And if you choose not to bring it to term, we'll praise your name. Because, and we didn't say it the way we say it today, God is good. And all the time. And we need to recognize that in our lives. Because that which was conceived in Mary's body belonged to the Lord, not only because it was a miraculous conception, but because it was a gift from God. What do you have in your life that specifically belongs to the Lord that you have given to God? Is there something that you can identify, this belongs to God? And I trust that you're saying, this belongs to God. You know, that's important. And the text says that when the time of her purification came, they formally went to Jerusalem. They entered the temple to dedicate that which had been a gift from God back to God. Now, we could go to the book of Leviticus, and there we could define how God all outlined it. The purification for a firstborn male was 40 days. And after 40 days, the woman was to present this as a gift to God. The purification for a female was 80 days. And if it was a female birth, 80 days later, they were to present it as a gift from God. Mary, 40 days after Jesus was born, goes to the temple, and there she presents the gift from God. God, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, verse 22, to present him to the Lord. So I read this text, I was reminded of Samuel. Remember how Samuel's mom prayed? She had a wonderful husband. His first mistake was he had two wives. His second mistake was that he thought he could make his wives happy. And when Samuel's mom complained to her husband, Elkanah, she, he said to her, hey, you got me. What else do you need? She went and she prayed that God would give her a child, and he did. And do you remember what she did? 
She gave him to the Lord, and Samuel served faithfully all the days of his life in the temple. Now, I remind you of that just to challenge you that it's not easy to give something to the God. It's not easy to give to the Lord. Because we never know what God's going to do with what we give to him, right? That begs the question, are we willing to let God do what he wants to do with what we give back to him? We will find in Simeon's proclamation that Mary is confronted with the truth that her life would be gripped by grief because of what would take place in the life of her son, Jesus. So they go to the temple. The firstborn is dedicated to the Lord. Dedicated wholly to the Lord, verse 23. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Word could be translated sanctified. Given over exclusively. And that means God's in control. And so every Jewish company, couple was confronted with this. It was the law. And it comes back from when God delivered his people out of bondage. You remember the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And throughout all of the land of Egypt, there was weeping and wailing because the firstborn had been taken from them. And unless the death angel saw the blood applied on the top posts and the side posts of the, of the doors, the firstborn died. And as they left Egypt, as they were freed from bondage, God said, I want that firstborn. It belongs to me. Because I want to remind you. Somebody said, and it may be true, your highest highs and your lowest lows will come from your kids. And unless you've had kids, you don't know how difficult it is to give them up. But that's essentially what Mary was doing. And verse 24 says that they went up there to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law. A pair of turtle doves and two young Now, this was a sin offering, and it was also a burnt offering that was given to the Lord. Sin offering reminded the people of the beginning of life. You know, life really begins when our sins are forgiven. For those of us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, life begins at salvation because we know our sins are forgiven 
and we've been born again into the family of God, and we've been freed from that bondage. Amen? Isn't that great? I, I, I trust that you understand the wonder of our salvation. We're going to celebrate the, the given body and shed blood of the Lord. And it's all because our sins are forgiven. Jesus paid it all. Amen? And so this offering that was presented was to remind them of the freedom they had because their sins were atoned for. The burnt offering marked the restoration of their communion with God. Now, many times, the sin offering was either a lamb or a turtle dove or a, a young pigeon. Uh, those who had wealth brought a lamb. But if you didn't have wealth, God still made provision for you. And you could bring a turtle dove. Mary and Joseph didn't have anything. And so they brought a pair of tutor loves. And God accepted their offering to him. I want you to understand that as Joseph and Mary lived out what God was doing in their lives, it was a serious matter. They did not take it lightly. The offering of these sacrifices was difficult for them. The commitment of their firstborn as holy to the Lord was hard. And it's not easy to, to live out what God wants to do in your life. It's not. But I want to encourage you that as we live out God's plan and as we submit to his authority, we will see the wonder of his work in our lives. Amen? Isn't it great? And so as we begin the celebration of Christmas, recognizing the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and seeing how 40 days after Jesus was born, Mary went, Joseph went, they offered the sacrifices, they fulfilled God's mandate for their lives in the law. And they were willing to allow God to perfect his work for his honor and, and his glory.